Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. How about the slow jam music today? You like that? Come on, I, I feel like Marvin Gaye might come out and set, you know, like it's Valentine's, why not? You know what I'm saying? I don't even, I've never heard one of his songs, I don't think. But I did like the slow jam, I'm, I'm in for that. Hey, happy pre-Valentine's, happy Super Bowl Sunday. Hey, better than that, happy Sunday. How about that? We're in church together. If you're a guest, I'm so glad you're with us. Can we just join together and give our guest a great welcome? We're so glad you're here. Welcome to church. It's a good time to come to church. I love it. Hey, one last time, the EXO Marriage Conference is this weekend, and I'm looking forward to it. Hope you'll be part of that. You can still sign up. Uh, we just would love for you to come be a part. Amen? Awesome. Let me pray. Father, thanks for this day. And Lord, we do humble ourselves before you in this moment, and we thank you that your presence is here. And, and when your presence is here, Father, we can experience you. And everything that you are, the great I am, is here for us today. I pray that you would move through the message. It would challenge us, encourage us that it would strengthen us, inspire us to live more for you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Can I get a good amen? Amen. amen. Well, I'm so glad you're here today. We are starting a three-week series on money, so give a clap for that. Yeah! <laughs> I knew you wouldn't give me a clap, so I had to work with you on that, but uh, money talk, uh, trust funds, and we want to learn to trust God more than the funds, and, and so uh, this is going to be a great series, three weeks. I hope you'll be a part of this for the next three weeks, and I hope you'll experience more of God and blessings on your finances. Doing a little reading about trust funds. Now, I don't have a trust fund in my name. Uh, that would have been something, wouldn't it? Um, but um, trust funds have three parties to it, three people involved with the trust fund. There's a grantor, so that's the person that creates the fund, and, and he sets the specific rules around that fund. And so there's a trust fund, there's a beneficiary, that's the fun part of a trust fund, the person that's receiving, and, um, but then there is one other person that's involved with the trust fund, and that is a trustee. And the, that's the person that manages the assets on behalf of the grantor. In our scenario, I feel like we're more like the trustee here, that we are managing God's finances. And he is giving us the ability to disperse his funds through us to others. And so we want to talk today about how we can learn to just be generous for God and to allow God to bless us in our finances. I believe that everything belongs to the Lord. Do you agree with me with that? Everything belongs to the Lord. And when I, when I trusted God with my salvation, I began to learn how to trust God in all the areas of my life. And I'm still working on that. I'm still learning. I'm still learning to give God more and more of my life. When I began to allow God to be Lord of my friendships, I gave him friendships. And I want him to be Lord over my marriage. And I want the blessings of God on my marriage. I want him to be 
the Lord of my finances and my money. I want it all to be God's. I want him to have my plans and my purposes. I believe his ways are always better than my ways. And I believe there's rewards and blessings in our life when we begin to submit all of our life to God and we give him all of these parts. And I believe he begins to bless us in those things. As a matter of fact, there's a whole set of scriptures about God's blessings when we, we live for him. And as an example, the Bible says God blesses those who are, are dependent upon him. So this is in the book of Matthew. We call these the Beatitudes. You've probably heard about those. But God blesses those who mourn or those who seek him. There's a blessing for that. The Bible says God blesses those who are humble in their life. And God blesses those who hunger for righteousness. And God blesses those who show mercy to others. And God blesses the peacemakers. And God blesses those who are being persecuted. And so there's so many ways that we live our life that God attaches a blessing to it. The Bible also says in Matthew chapter 6, he says that when we give, God sees us and he rewards us. And so there's a reward, there's a blessing that comes with that. In the book of Acts, again, another way that we see God's blessings, it says that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so there's blessings that are part of that. And so I want us to learn today and starting this series about, about the blessings of God that come in our, in our finances. And, and I know when I start on a financial series, it, you know, I know I made you clap because generally people are like, oh, you know, it's the money talk. And, and, you know, some people will even go to the place of like, oh, the church, they just want our money. The pastor, he just wants us to give, his, give us his money. And, and I want you to know that I resent that. That just kind of makes me a little zip. I was like, if you think that I want your money and I'm greedy like that, you don't know me at all. All right, I'm just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push back on that. And when people say that all the church wants is your money, no, that's not all the church wants. The church wants you to be blessed. Listen, my life is about giving and generosity, and I want your life blessed. I want your marriage blessed. Listen, that's why I invite you here, so you can experience God, and he can bless your life. You surrender your life, and you experience the blessings of God. I want your, I want your marriage, I want your health blessed. The reason we have prayer time at the end of our services. Why? So God can heal you and bless your life through that. Amen? Amen? I want your finances blessed. Do you want your finances blessed by God? Am I, everybody, if your hand's not up, all right, I don't know. What's up with you? Maybe inflation isn't hitting you the way it's hitting me, but I'm like, God, I need it. Bring it on, Lord. My sermon title today is I am generous. Amen. Maybe, I, maybe you need to say that. One, two, three, I am generous. Listen, generosity is at the center of God's plan for our money. Like that's, that's the center of it. And it's a principle that God uses to, to help us detach from, from money so it doesn't lord over our lives. And so we wanna learn to be generous. I've been generous. I'm gonna brag on me for a minute. 
You all right with that? Just bragging on me. I, I, I'm proud of me, all right? I'm just, I, I did something and I'm proud of it. I'm gonna tell you all about it. And y'all are like, well, I thought you're supposed to be humble. God bless the humble. Well, that's okay. I had, I'm really happy about what I did. The Bible says blessed means happy. I'm happy about this, all right? So you remember the fast? Everybody remember the fast? I counted back. It was day 13 of our fast. At, by day 13, I am at max peak wanting sugar, and I, I was there, like I wanted some cookies and I wanted some banana pudding and chips, you name it. You know, I wanted peanut M&Ms, I'm feeling it, you know. Feeling it right now. <laughs> so day 13, it's a Saturday, I'm at home, Harriet's gone, so easy cheat day for no one to know about it. And I'm at the house and I hear a knock on the door. I'm like, well, I'll see who's there. And I open the door and there is the cutest little seven-year-old girl and she's holding up a box of cookies and she goes hi I'm from troop such and such and 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 I'm with the Girl Scouts and and I'm selling cookies do you want to buy some cookies from me I'm like yes but no I'm like you don't know little girl her dad's right there and I'm like what do you do you know and I'm I said, honey, can I just give you $5 and you walk away? Just, uh, just, just go, just take it. I'll, I'll be generous. And she looked at me and she looked at her dad. And, and I, I said, I said, can I just give you five instead of buying the cookies? And she looked, she goes, well, I'm, I'm selling cookies. And she went, she did her little thing again, you know, for the troop. And da, 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 da. In my mind, I'm like, I'll give you 20 if you'll run. Just get away. <laughs> so I ended up buying a box of cookies but I went into my little spot where I have some money. I got all I had. And I'm like, here, honey, but only one box of cookies. I said, just let the other part be a tip. Well, she's pretty smart. She said, all right. And she took it all. She was great. I have a, I have a, a policy in our household that if ever there is a child selling anything, we buy it. So listen, if you have kids and you're trying to sell something, bring it to our house. We'll buy it. And we probably have three of the, the books or the, the promo books. I mean, I buy them from everybody. All right, I'll buy it. I want to bless it. Listen, I, the kids, man, they're selling stuff. Why wouldn't you want to be generous and, and support? Listen, I'm all for supporting capitalism. I'm like, you know what? Teach these kids how to sell stuff. Listen, I, I say all that as just a little humor, but the reality is, is we need to have a spirit of generosity in us, that we look for ways to be generous, and we look for how can we be a blessing to others. I want to take us to the book of Mark for a few minutes, and, and there's a really important story here. It's a, it's a significant story. It's a powerful story, and really going to shape how we see generosity today. And uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 41, it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Now that's a, a fascinating thought. Don't you think that Jesus is watching the money? Now I don't know how that felt. Can you imagine you putting your offering in and Jesus like, good job? Really? I'm kidding, I don't think he did it that way. But he was sitting there and, and he was watching 
The people put money into the temple treasury. And it goes on to say that many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Some versions will say that she had two mites. And a mite would be the lowest form of, of currency that was available at the time, as ours would be a penny. And so basically she put in two pennies. Jesus was sitting there and he saw this woman and she put in these two coins and it grabbed his attention. And so he said to his disciples, he's like, come here guys, I want, I want to share something with you. And he says to his disciples in verse 43, he says, truly I tell you, this widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Well, I'm gonna give you the context of the story just so there's understanding of what we're, we're reading about to understand the, this woman's generosity. And so if you're reading through the book of, of Mark and you get to chapter 11, you're gonna find that is the, the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. So this is the, the final week of Jesus's life. We refer to it looking back today as Holy Week. This is the week before his death and resurrection, the week before we celebrate Easter. Now, I do want to let you know this year that uh, we're going to have a special way of honoring Holy Week at our church this year before Easter. And we're going to have a, a Good Friday church service here on that Friday. And um, we're going to have it on Friday at 3 p.m. because as you study scripture, that was at the moment that Jesus gave up his life on the cross. The Bible says it was at 3 p.m. on a Friday. And so we're going to have a service that, that models that. And it'll be more of a, a solemn service because we're recognizing that's the day he died on the cross. And we'll take communion together. And it'll be a, it'll be a powerful time. And you're like, 3 o'clock, I have to work. Ask off. That solves that, doesn't it? All right. Just thought I'd let you know. <laughs> So listen, this story though is, is in Holy Week. And I find it interesting that a story about money jumps right into the middle of Holy Week. Maybe money is holy to God. I, I thought that would be like a, a wow, it probably is. All right, so here's the, here's the location of this. So uh, Jesus is at the temple. Now, in, in that time, this is before 70 AD, the temple was, was destroyed in 70 AD. At this point, though, 70, before 70 AD, there was a temple and there were four courts or courtyards and they were from a furthest out then right up to the temple. Today, when you come to church, if you were to consider this like a temple, we are welcomed into the presence of God. In that time, there, people were not welcomed into that presence of God and there were four courts and each of these courts allowed a certain group of people to be able to progress closer to the temple. The furthest out court was considered or named the court of the Gentiles. So these were non-Jewish people. And so they were allowed to come into this court. Now everyone could come in. The reason it was called the court of the Gentiles was because the Gentiles could not go past that court. So this was the furthest out court. And this court though is if you're reading through the gospels and often you'll see where Jesus was teaching at the temple. 
He was most often in this outer court where the most people were because there was gathered all the Gentiles, all of the Jews, all the women. That was the gathering spot. It was also the place where they sold the, their things for, for sacrifices, little animals for sacrifices. And if you remember one of the stories of Jesus, he came and he was upset that they were, they were unethically and immorally selling things for people to take as, as offerings. And in his, in his righteousness, he flipped over the tables and he said, and he was in this outer court, he said, my house will be a house of prayer. And so that's that whole place, that outer court. Then there's this gate and you go into the next court and this is the court of women. So only the Jewish women and Jewish men could come into this. All the Gentiles were prevented by that gate. And so the reason they called this the court of the women is this was as far as the women could go. The next court was the court of men. And so the Jewish men could go on in and that was as far as the men could go. And then the last court was the court of the priest. And that was just where the priest would go and they would offer their sacrifices to the Lord. So this story, though, is in the court of the women. And in the court of the women was also the place where they, they put up the offering boxes where people would come and bring their tithes, their offerings to the Lord. And so they put it in the court of women and... That was a place for the, the men and the women to gather, and that was their, their place for the, the offerings. Jesus was a Jew, so he was allowed in that, that area. And so this is where the story is, is where Jesus is now sitting, and he's watching men and women place their offerings into the box. And as he's watching, he sees some put in a lot of money, but he then sees this one dear woman, and it just it grabs his attention. Something about her, something about what she did, he notices. Now, we don't know a lot about this woman. We, the Bible doesn't give her name as an example. But we do know that she was poor. The Bible says she was a poor widow. So she was also a widow, so we know that. We know she was a, a worshiper of God because she was at the temple and making her offering. And, and we read that she put in her two mites, and, which represented everything that this woman owned these two coins, and for us, it'd be like two pennies. It just represented the total amount of everything she owned. Her entire life savings, she gave it all to God. That's a significant gift. That's generosity at a maximum level. We might consider rightfully, and, and, and I commend this, I, I applaud this, but we might think, hey, a 5% gift of all we own would be a big gift, and, and yes, amen, 10% as what a tithe is considered. Is, is generous, and, and yes, it is, but, but when God saw her give 100%, or Jesus saw her give 100%, it, it grabs his attention, he pulls the disciples, and, and again, I'll read it to you, he says, truly, I tell you, he said, this, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, and she put in all that she had. Now, one thing I just want to let you know, I'm not going to teach today that you have to sell everything and give it to God today. Amen? So you can relax. But I do want to see that the scriptures is emphasizing in this lady's life, this poor widow's life, that she was extremely generous. I mean, try to place yourself in, in a position of, of what she did. I mean, just in, in our modern day and 
in our American culture, and generally there's, there's some resources in our life. And can you imagine if, if you just went to Facebook Marketplace and started selling everything you have? Just sell your TVs and sell your couches and you're selling your, your I don't know, your dish towels. I mean, you ladies will sell anything on, on Facebook Marketplace. Um, you're selling and selling and then you, you call the real estate agent up and he's like, I got to sell my house. And then you get on your Charles Schwab account and you're, you're cleaning out all of your investments and you have this one big thing of money and then you bring it to God. Man, that would be a significant, I, for me, it's hard, I can't really grasp that, maybe you're like me. But sometimes when I hear this story though, and I've read it before as you probably have, and I think, well, she only gave two coins. And, and it might be easy to assume that, wow, it's only two coins. My gift is something different. It's like I've, I've had more surplus and so it'd be harder and, and maybe yes, harder. But then I think we, we get to the point where like, well, I could never do that. And I think that's the point of the story is that she did do that and she was incredibly generous. And why did Jesus say she gave more? Why did he notice her? And this is the point I wanna bring out to you today because to God, generosity is measured not by the amount, but by the sacrifice. Less is more when the sacrifice is greater. Amen? Amen. So I'm teaching on generosity. And I want you to catch the heart of this about sacrifice today. Let me, let me just try to bring this to a way to really understand it easily. Let's, let's just assume that the CEO of Amazon has decided to come to Wilmington in a $300 million yacht and he pulls up to, uh, to you know, uh, I don't know, the dock or what, what's out there? I don't know. I don't, I don't get dockside. That's dockside. And he wanted to get some fish and chips, all right? And um, so CEO of, of Amazon. Now, Jeff Be Bezos is his name. Now, just to let you know, he earns $9 million every hour of every day. Holy cow. So $9 million. So let's just say Jeff Bezos has pulled up in his big yacht and um, he's eating at the restaurant and, and he hears the chatter. And he's like, what are they talking about? What are they talking about? And, and he hears people talking about Life Church. He's like, wow, I want to hear about this great church that everybody's talking about. Amen? Y'all are talking, aren't you? All right, just making sure. Jeff Bezos picks up on that and he goes, you know what? It's Sunday. I, I'm going to go check out what the buzz is. And he comes in and he experiences God and he's like wow and on the way out he goes by our offering and he drops a check in for 10 million dollars amen <laughs> but let me ask you was that generous I mean just think about that he makes 9 million every hour so that means if our service is an hour and 15 minutes he made $10 million while just hanging out in here with us. How much money are you making while you're sitting here? I'm, I'm just, I'm bringing it to, a, so to him, 10 million. Now I do want to say, uh, Jeff, <laughs> if you're watching and you just heard about us, we will accept your 
measly little $10 million. But on the other hand, church, what about a, a single mom that's sitting here today? She's got two or three children. And inflation has impacted her life like all of us, but maybe more significant. She's trying her best to raise her children and she's got a job and she's trying to figure out how do I make ends meet? I barely have enough gas just to get to work. I, I gotta buy food for my children. They have a birthday coming up and what can I buy my children? Now, it's just so tight. It's just, it's right there. Now, if that woman is sitting here and she experiences God and in her heart, she decides to go by and put $10 in. Let me ask you, who put the greater gift? See, that's the story. It's about the sacrifice. It's about the heart. You see, generosity isn't based on the amount, but on the sacrifice. And the widow was generous. And what she did was costly to her in this story. She didn't have to give it all. The Jewish law did not enforce her or require to give 100%. She could have given one coin and she could have kept one. She could have thought, just for a safety net, I'll keep one. Or maybe she could have said, hey, can I get some exemption from my tithe? And maybe she tried to find some way out, but she didn't do that. She's like, you know what? I'm fully dependent upon God and, and I'm giving. And, and I make this point because I want you to know what she did wasn't mandated by the law, but motivated by her love for God. It was a costly gift and it was from her heart. And Jesus saw it and he honored it. Amen? So I'm talking about money, obviously, I want to take a, a, a slight sidetrack on my message, if you'll go with me for somewhere. And I'll circle back to the money part. But I was thinking about this whole thought about her gift was costly. And, and, and so my question would be to myself and to you, when you think about a costly gift, what does it cost you to be a follower of Jesus Christ? What, what is it, has there been a sacrifice in your life at following Jesus? And I don't mean just financially, that, that's a part of it, we'll get back to that, but I mean practically, has it cost you, has it cost me anything to follow him? And, and the reason I say that is because I understand that everything that matters in our life, we sacrifice for it. We're willing to pay a price, a cost for it. So if, if in your life, if you... Um, you're a follower of Christ and, 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 and you know, there's things in our life that are important to us. We, we know that we can sacrifice to, to, to attain something by, that God has given to us. As an example, maybe you're, you're in college. There's a sacrifice to you graduating. You're in the library while others are out doing something else. Why it matters to you, right? Sacrifice for it. Uh, in your marriage, listen, it can't be like all about me in my marriage. 
I have to sacrifice some of myself and we together, we sacrifice. The Bible says we submit one to another. And so we, we lay our lives down. There's a sacrifice in our marriage. And that's what makes it better because it's worth it, right? There's, there's a cost to investment in a marriage. That's why, listen, we have a, a marriage conference. It costs 80 bucks. And if you want your marriage to, to thrive and to gain new tools, then you invest in your marriage. It's also investment of time. It's investment of you trying to find a babysitter and all those things come together. I wanna to say to any couple that's here though, that if $80 is a limit that you can't make, I'll pay for it. I, I, listen, our church, some, we'll make sure you can come. So don't let $80, keep, come see me after church. But there's investment for everything that matters in our life. And so when I ask you practically though, has, has it cost you anything to follow God? I want you to know that I'm not talking about your salvation. Listen, we, we don't earn or we don't, um, we don't earn our favor with God. We, that's, we don't prove ourselves to God. That would be reducing Christianity down to a, a performance-based religion. And so I'm not talking about that because listen, we serve a God who gave his son, who paid for everything for our salvation. He freely gave his life so that we can freely receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Our sins are forgiven and we have a relationship with God that was given to us, not based on our merit, but totally based on what Christ did for us. We clear on that, right? Clear on that, amen, amen. So, but after you start following Jesus, there are times that things will cost us something. There are times that we sacrifice some things. It's, it's a sacrifice to get up early in the morning and pray. That costs you something. The disciples one time, they, they were challenging themselves and talking to Jesus. And, and Peter stood up in Mark 10, 28, and he said, we've left everything to follow you. There was a cost to following Jesus. Has your faith cost you anything at all? There's a story in the Old Testament about David. He was a king, king of the Israelites. And in one of his journeys away from his palace and his, his territory, it was time for him to worship God. And he didn't have a place. And so he found a man that had a wine press. And it would be a private place for him to be able to, to worship his God. And so he went to the owner and he said, I'd like to buy your wine press from you so that I can worship God. And so this person that, that David approached, he said to David, he said, you're the king. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you my land. He said, I'll even bring some oxen for you and you can have it all for free so that you can worship. And, and he was saying, I'm being generous. He was giving and and then David responded to him and David said this in 1 Chronicles 21. He said, no, he said, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. Like there's a cost. I'm like, the Bible even talks about the, the sacrifice of praise in our life. And we are to be a living sacrifice for the Lord. Following Jesus has a cost to us. And let me give you some practical ways that it may show up. You know, the day that you begin to serve Christ and you start following Jesus, there's gonna be some people in your life that won't understand what's happening in your life. 
There's gonna be some people that, that are like, why don't you party with us anymore? Why don't, why don't you come hang out and do the things we used to do? And, and what happens is, is it redefines some relationships because now you have a new set of values that are taking you somewhere else. And the cost of your salvation is sometimes some friends won't understand what's going on in your life. I wanna to say to some of you young people that are walking the halls and, and you have friends that don't understand what's going on, I wanna say I applaud you for standing for Jesus and allowing people to not understand you and we support you. It is worth it. But also as you begin to read your Bible and you begin to see the, these values that are in there and people will reject you because you carry biblical values in your life over some things that seem simple to us, like people will reject you when you learn that an unborn child in a womb has the right to life and you stand for that. There's a cost to that value of understanding that because people will go, there's a cost. Could be as simple as you believing that the scriptures, which are true, say that marriage is between one man and one woman. And suddenly culture goes, listen, we don't draw the line. It's not a line. I invite anybody to come and experience God's truth and experience the freedom that comes with it. But just because you believe something, there's going to be a cost to some of the culture. There's going to be a cost on your life. And there's going to be some people that reject you, some people that, that will be offended at you. And you have to learn to live with that because it's worth it. The cost of following Jesus is worth it. The cost. There's a cost. Maybe the cost of employment. Your biblical values may not line up with the values of your employer that is pushing an agenda that you are now serving under. And at some point, you may come to a place and you have to think, do I want to stay aligned with a value system that is not God's value system. And the cost maybe for some people is, I can't work here anymore. Now that's easy to preach, but wow. That's a cost. I'm, I'm gonna choose to work somewhere else. I mean, you may be unemployed for it. I mean, there's so much can come with that. Like, that's high. Every disciple of Christ and millions of Christians around the world have faced persecution and the threat of death. But they all determined that following Jesus Christ at whatever cost is more important than anything else in life. I don't know if it's cost you anything yet. It probably has. I don't know what happens in our world Maybe it accelerates, maybe not, I don't know. But we have to be ready. You need to decide. I will follow Jesus at all costs. Amen, church? The poor widow, she, she gave everything she owned. It's a story that 
teaches us about sacrifice and teaches us about the cost. And she was at the temple and she was giving generously and, and we see that Jesus saw her and he honored her. And I want to just kind of take this message and, and give three important thoughts about generosity. Back to the money, by the way. So number one, generosity is measured by our sacrifice. And, and I said that before, just to emphasize it again. And I want to say that for those who are here and, you're, and your finances are, are stressful and, you're, and it's difficult and you're feeling pressure from rising prices and, and, it's, and, and right now you're in that spot and, it, and it's financially difficult. See, this story is beautiful because it's so full of grace and, and I want you to understand that if you're in that situation, I want you to know how pleased God is with your heart to give only what you can. Because he is not looking at the amount. And if what you can is $5, Jesus would stand up and say, hey, everybody, I want to tell you a great story. Because it's the heart. Amen. So it's so freeing for us. On the other hand, to those who are here today and, and you have more and there's an ease to your finances, then I want to challenge you to consider what it means for you to give sacrificially. What does that mean to you? Because in the story, it, it recognizes the rich that gave a lot but it brought to alignment the heart of sacrifice. And I think whether rich or poor, our offering has to be pure of heart. And has it cost you anything? Has it, has it challenged you? The book of Luke chapter 12, it says, when someone has been entrusted with much, then much is required of us. And so that's a pretty bold place for a pastor to stand today and say, if you're blessed, then you ought to consider the sacrifice in your life. Can I get an amen? amen. The next, uh, next point is generosity is, is trusting God more than money. So the, the poor widow, she was fully dependent upon God's provision and she gave her only two coins well, God isn't asking us to give everything, but he does ask us to trust him more than money. And so I just, I just land on that thought for you to, to not put your trust in funds, but to put your trust in God. And when you give generously, when you give out of faith to God, you can trust him that he will see you and he will bless you in that. Now, I don't know, and I'm not preaching that if you give him 100, he gives you 200 back. I, I'm, I'm preaching, though, that God, like this poor widow, he saw that in her life, and he honored that in her life. And I just want you to know that the greatest thing we can have, more than God giving you some money, is for God to look and honor you. And so I bless you in some capacity. And number three, generosity is for both the wealthy and the poor. So as Jesus was sitting by those offering boxes, he, he recognized the wealthy and their large gifts and he honored the widow for her sacrifice. And some gave more 
Some gave less. And all gave some. Generosity is for everyone. It's, it's, it's a sacrifice. It's an, it's an equal type sacrifice. And it's, it is for all of us because generosity is at the heart of God's plan for our money. And, and if you want to experience more of God in your money, then you apply this principle of, of generosity into your life. And I believe that God will meet you and meet you there. Because listen, money, money is, it's close to our heart. You know that. It's close to everybody's heart. I mean, we all, it's, it's just important to us. Listen, we work for money, right? We work for it. We, we need it daily in our life. We, we think about money a lot. We talk about it a lot, right? We, we vote for it, right? We vote for that that might bring us more money and uh, people fight over it. We, people, some steal it. Money. We take risks to make more of it. Marriages have fallen apart over money. Stress, it's, it's just money's part of it. Money's important to our life. And, and since it's that important to us, we shouldn't be surprised that God has a way for us. For God has a, a, a plan for us on how to, how to handle money God's way. And so I would challenge you to be here for the next two weeks to hear the ways God wants us to handle his money because I want God's favor on my life and, and, our, and my finances. And, and I just want you to know that you won't outgive God. You won't outgive God. Now, I, I wanna frame this because what I mean is that he's already given more than you'll ever give him. Every spiritual blessing is from God. Every earthly blessing is from God. The house I live in, God, I give you glory for the house that you've given me. My marriage, God, I thank you. I have a marriage and I'm blessed. Thank you, Lord. I have a job, God. Thank you, God. I have a way to earn money. God, I thank you. I'm grateful. It's all from him, right? He's already given so when you think about not outgiving God, I, listen, we're already so far behind, you'll never catch up. Because God has blessed us through Jesus Christ. Most importantly, he gave us salvation. He sent his son, God gave his son so that we can have a life, we can have eternal life and through Jesus Christ, he gave it all. He paid the price so that we can be saved and we can be forgiven and we can have peace with our Father and we have eternal life through him. He gave it all. And Lord, I'm thankful. Amen, church. If you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to extend to you an invitation today. And that invitation is, is to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus paid the price. And what that means is that Jesus came to earth. He lived. He was a real person. And he was God at the same time. And he took the sins of all mankind. He took the sins, my sins and your sin 
upon his body. And the penalty for mine and your sin upon him was his death. He died so that we would have life. And if you want your sins to be forgiven, then you place your faith in Jesus Christ. He forgives your sins. And you have a new life without the, the penalties of the past. And you have a new life, eternity with our Father. And so I want to invite you to choose Jesus today. To believe in Jesus by faith for your salvation. And this in this good holy moment, we're here together. Would you bow your heads? And Father, if there's anyone here that's never made a decision, would you prompt their heart to choose Jesus today by faith for their salvation, for the forgiveness of their sins? Hey, if that's you today and you want to make that decision, it's a private, personal moment, but I invite you to lift your hand to me. Say, Pastor Tim, I want to choose Jesus today. I want my life to be surrendered to him. Is there anybody here today? I don't want to miss anybody. God bless you. Is there anyone here? God bless you. God loves you. You can put your hand down. Is there anybody else? One last moment. Hey, let's all say this prayer together really on behalf of those that raise their hands, but let's all just confess our, our salvation. Pray this out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to earth and dying for my sins. I believe in Jesus by faith and now I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Can I just get a wonderful amen, church? Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Our prayer team is going to come to the front. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, if you made that decision, I'm going to ask you to take a bold step and come to one of our people at the front and, and just say to them, I prayed that prayer for the first time. We'd love to meet you and pray for you and just help you take your next step. So if that was you, you can come to one of our prayer people. If you have anything in your life that you need prayer for, we're here for you. We want to pray. We want to see God move in your life and and listen, I'm gonna invite you just to hold tight in the room. Don't leave if you can. If you have time, I ran over a minute, apology. But this is important because this is a moment for God to move in people's lives. And they're gonna come and they're gonna ask for prayer. They're gonna ask for healing. They're gonna ask for a breakthrough in their life. And I want us as a church to be a part of that. You can pray for them. So if you have any need, you can come to our prayer team. We have communion also. I invite you to go get communion and remember Christ's sacrifice for you. So on the count of three, you can move. One, you're coming for a prayer for a miracle. Two, you're coming for a prayer for a breakthrough. Three, you're moving to get communion. One, two, three, let's, let's go meet Jesus.